Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio, our final show of this Easter week. Lots of chat, music and more besides to come over the next couple of hours. But I suppose I'll ask you a question to start the show today. Fish on Friday, is it still a thing in your home? And especially on Good Friday tomorrow, it was, you know, a day when people fasted and didn't have any meat or chicken and fish was the thing. Is it a tradition that's waned, gone, or do you still stick by it in, in your home? I'd love to hear from you today. Is fish a thing on Good Friday, especially with you? Let me know. 086 658 by WhatsApp or text. And with that in mind, earlier on today, I popped along to Kerwin's Fish Cart on Lawrence Street in Drogheda. Love the shop, I have to say. I'm a regular there. And, you know, with Good Friday in mind, as I said, tomorrow, what's the state of play with fish in the country? And I have to tell you, I had the most fascinating time there. Besides talking about Good Friday and the fish, the boys and girls there, well, can they cook the fish as well? Yes, they can. Anyway, as I said, I dropped along to Kerwin's and I began by talking to Peter Kerwin. And I did ask him, is Good Friday still the biggest day of the year for fish sales? It would be, yeah. It'd be bigger than Ash Wednesday. It'd be, still be the biggest day of the year, yeah. So you're going to be mad busy tomorrow in the shop. This time of the year, we're talking about early April. You have such a wonderful selection of fish. What would you recommend for listeners today to have on their plate tomorrow, Good Friday? Yeah, but there's so many different options for everyone. Like, some people like the white fish, the likes of hake and cod. Haddock's gorgeous. Then some people... Like the smoked fish, we've smoked cod, natural smoked haddock, we have hot smoked mackerel, and then there's always the favourite salmon, of course, sea bass, mackerel, then you have your shellfish, your prawns, scallops, oysters. Nearly everything that swims in the sea is on the counter here in Kerwin's for sure, and it's all cracking and fresh. What way does it work? Where, where do you get most of your fish from now? Most of the fish comes from the boats in Clatterhead. So there's a co-op in Clatterhead that the boats land into. And then we go down there and pick out the best quality fish and bring it home, fill it, and then bring it in here to the shop. In terms of people coming into you, do you find that people, you know, like a certain type of fish and they go for it all the time? Or are people open to trying some of the different species of fish that you mentioned there and that are here on the lovely counter? Probably over the years, people have widened their variety a lot more. People used to be coming in and just buy the same kind of staples, your salmon, your smoked cod, your hake. But now I think when people step back and see all the variety that there is, it opens their mind and then they ask us, what way do you cook this, what way do you cook that? And then gives them a few little tips and then they start to widen their variety. Traditionally, Friday was the fish day in Irish families. Yeah. Is it every day of the week now? You're open from Tuesday to Saturday. Is it more spread across the week? When my granddad started on the street over 80 years ago, it would have been just on a Friday they would have sold. Then they started selling on a Thursday and then they extended it from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then when we opened the shop, we're here 
Tuesday to Saturday. So yeah, every day of the week now people are eating fish. It's great because we are an island nation and we have the most wonderful resources in the seas around us. You mentioned Peter there. People would remember Peter, then Patrick, your dad. And it's back to you now, Peter. Yeah, three generations now. So 27 years in the shop now this year. 50, 60 years before that on the streets. Mm So we have the comforts in here in the shop compared to what they used to have out there in the street. Aren't you lucky? And we're heading upstairs now in Kerwin's to actually sample some of the cooked fish from the shop here and I have to say a big shout out to Jeanette Riley who has prepared the dishes for us upstairs so let's make our way upstairs and have a look at what she is ready for us. Paddy McCauley's ready and waiting and the food is prepared here a famous man from the fish shop as well meeting and greeting customers every day of the week how long are you with Karen's Paddy? Uh, since January 89. Did you start out in the street or in the shop? I actually started on the street then I was in the fish wagon selling across the counter. And then I was the last one to leave West Street to come to the shop. Philip and Peter's father, Patrick, were in the shop first. And I was on my own in West Street for two weeks. And that was it. Then we had to close the wagon. We wanted everyone to come to the shop. You have uh, great comforts here in the shop compared to the street. Oh, yeah, especially in the summertime, keeping fish fresh mm. in the cabinet, the fridges just display and all the fish we could never display the fish as good we have a lot more fish as well when i started it was just whiten mackerel smoke fish cod these boys are more than fishmongers i have to tell you they'll advise you on how to cook the fish the time to give it how to dress it up and do everything with it big part of what you do oh it is yeah you have to explain simple cooking to people once the fish is fresh, just cook it simple. But let's have a look at these lovely dishes that Jeanette has prepared for us here. Let's start on the left-hand side, Paddy. What are we talking about here? We have fresh hake and breadcrumbs. We do it ourselves here in the shop. And our fresh homemade garlic butter. Peter, what about the garlic on the hake? Do you love it? Yeah, it's gorgeous. But very simple as well. Just We have it all prepared put it into a tray for you and then you can put it into your oven or if you have an air fryer it's a really really good job because it crisps up the panko breadcrumbs 12-15 minutes in the air fryer all ready to go let me have a taste garlic butter and all i have to say it's cooked beautifully it's simple it's moist it's so tasty it is yeah and fresh now what have we beside it here yeah well, these are our codfish fingers that we have we have them in the freezer you can cook them from frozen, but what we've done with them here is 12 to 15 minutes in the air fryer, and then we've just put them onto a brioche bun with a bit of butterhead lettuce, chopped tomatoes, red onion, and a bit of sweet chili sauce, and so tasty, especially for kids. Like Kids love that. If you're trying to introduce them to fish and you want something simple but like tasty, that's really handy and really tasty so Kerwin's own fish fingers John West move over let's have a taste of these fellas here see you guys have tasted all these before I'm tasting these for the first time today hold on I'll have a little nibble of the fish fingers there's a lot going on there but you know what it's a match made in heaven I have to say it's beautiful the brioche bun with the salad and you can just taste the fleck of sweet chilli through it but you know what comes through your fish fingers Fingers, Mm. fish fingers are really good proper cod Done a lovely light breadcrumb. They turn out really tasty. And they're cooked in the air fryer? Air fryer or oven, yeah. Yeah. What do you prefer, oven or air fryer? Getting into the air fryer big time, Jerry. More than the oven or more than the pan even? Yeah, I'll keep them away from the aisle. You don't need the aisle near them. We were doing them in the grill and the oven. Now it's air fryer. All it is is literally just hot air. But what it does to the likes of the breadcrumb that is it crisps it up really nice without having to use aisle. They're using a lot less power. 
and you're cooking for less time, things are quick. And the marinated salmon is coming out of it just it's standing in the tray in the air fryer, so you're not dirty in your air fryer. Now that you mentioned salmon, Paddy, what is this? That's the marinated salmon in our famous sticky chilli sauce. It's done in the air fryer. Then it's on the bed of rice with some fresh sapphire on top of it. The sapphire itself is salty. Yeah, it's salty. You get a nice kick of salt, mm. but it doesn't linger. It's just kind of like fresh sea salt, really rich in iron, so it's good. They call it sea asparagus, so it's a vegetable that grows at sea. It grows at the edge of high water. They harvest it then, and then that's what we get into the shop. It's lovely. So I'm going to have to now add a little salmon and rice to the samphire here. Get the whole lot together and a little bit of samphire. It's hard to get it all together, but there we go. Mmm. Oh, the salmon's magical, Paddy. Yeah, the best in town. Can you give away your secrets of what you marinated in or what you dress it up with? Can't tell you, Jerry. <laughs> One day I just went mad with loads of marinades and we said what we call it and I said, yeah. Sticky chilli. <laughs> the name is stuck to the sticky chilli salmon. But just to mention, as Paddy uh, uh, brings it up there, Peter, uh, in the background here behind the dishes are your own marinades. Yeah, well, the marinades are very popular the last few years. We have them on the salmon, and then people ask us, can we get a bit of white fish with the marinade? Yeah, no problem. We put it into a tray for them. And then they wanted the marinade on their own, so we started jarring it up and we sell it. We have seven different marinades for sale now in the shop, just in jars on the shelf ready to go. It's obviously lovely on the fish, but you can put it on veg and roast it in the oven. You can put it on baby potatoes and roast it, and it comes out really nice too. Many uses to Kerwin's marinades, and they are available, as Peter says, in the shop. There's a range of them there. So two more dishes to taste here. So let's go on to the second last one. And Paddy's thumbs up all the way for this because I see big, juicy head prawns. And they are head, Jerry. Peeling prawns all my life with Peter's granddad. Peter's father, and now Peter. Third generation peeling prawns, and these are the best. Jeanette was here earlier on preparing the dishes, as I mentioned. She shy in the microphone, but we have to thank her sincerely. But when Jeanette was here, garlic butter, prawns on the pan, a lid over them. How many Two minutes? Two and a half to three minutes. That was it? That's it. And they're fully cooked then? And they're fully cooked. And especially when the lid of a pot on top of the pan creates a steam so they don't burn the prawns or dry them out too much. Now, they're on here, lovely lettuce leaf with beautiful brown bread. There's tomatoes on the plate. And tell me, the dip there, what is the dip? Just mayonnaise and sweet chilli sauce. Mixed together? Mixed together. I have an awful fondness for the head prawn. Big seller for you here, big in demand with customers. Yeah, well, they're the best prawns you can get. And what we especially noticed was over lockdown when people were, weren't going to restaurants and that, started cooking at home, they were getting more into the cooking. They started looking for a bit more quality and we started selling a lot more clotterhead prawns during that time and since that, once people have got the taste of them, they haven't went back. It's like that dish there, the clotterhead prawns are lovely. Then if you're doing a stir fry or a curry or that, you wouldn't use them. They'd be too good, probably not the right texture as well. So we have other prawns for the likes of that as well. I love those. Get them from the freezer cabinet here. Yeah. They're terrific and they're wonderful taste. Oh yeah, no, they're great. You do stir fries and curries and that and use them for that they're perfect so let me have a taste clotterhead prawns here brown bread mm. do you know what paddy i think i'll run off with that dish it's absolutely superb would it be your favorite it is yeah it's one of my favorite ones apart from the fish finger i like the fish mm. finger sandwiches mm. with a few prawns on top as well jerry mm. gourmet burger only for paddy whenever we're cooking something and he says do you know what would be lovely on top of that as well? The little added extra. So, like, you have to give them credit for that. Final dish here. I'm so sad. The samphire rice. And what else on this plate, Paddy? Our famous stir fry. Chopped up salmon. Cod hake. We have prawns in it. 
just peppers, no onion, and it's done with gluten-free sticky chilli sauce as well. All the marinades are all gluten-free. We try and keep as little allergens as well in all the marinades, and the likes of the chowder base and everything is all gluten-free that we have. It just makes it easier for people. The same when we're breading the fish, there's no egg in it either. We, we make up a batter without egg because there's so many different allergens. And it suits everybody, and that's the great thing about it. Okay, let me taste the stir-fry here, and uh, let me see... See, I have to grab a prawn. Paddy will be disappointed, but I don't put a prawn in the mouthful. I have to say salmon and rice there and a little bit of samphire again. Let me grab it. Do you know what there is? There's a wonderful kick in that. There is a kick in it, Jerry. Mm. There is. The black pepper. Cracked black pepper. I can taste it. It comes through, but it's just gorgeous. Like It's hot just for a minute in your mouth and then after that. That's a great handy dish substitute as a takeaway dish we put that into the tray put it into the oven bake it for 25 minutes at 180 after it you feel much better when you're eating it you feel much better it's really good substitute friday night takeaway five beautiful dishes there rustled up by Jeanette Riley in a few minutes here in Karen's in their secret little hideaway upstairs. I never knew you had this Aladdin's cave, Peter. Yeah, we have this head up here. <laughs> That's where we do all the cooking every every lunchtime. Yeah. Would you fish every day? Yeah, every day I'm working, I would anyway, because we have because we have upstairs here, we have the air fryer, we have the oven. It's so handy just to come up, put something into the air fryer for 10, 12 minutes or else into the oven for 25 minutes. We come up you have a lovely healthy lunch you're not going buying takeaways you don't feel stodgy after it like you're getting a good solid lunch and it's so simple but the the thing is to keep it simple when you're cooking fish that is the important thing it doesn't take long keep it simple and you will reap the benefits anyway it's thursday today good friday tomorrow so there's only one place to call now you've got to get down to kerwin's fish cart on lawrence street and of course it's not just tomorrow friday saturday as well ahead of the easter weekend and then tuesday to saturday every week Peter, thank you for inviting me down, Peter Karen again. And we have to say a big thank you, don't we, to Jeanette Riley. She did a fantastic job with preparing the dishes. Jeanette's added a new dimension in here as well. She's a great woman for the cooking, and she's always thinking of different ideas and saying, let's try this, let's try this, and... No, it's great. When it all comes together like dishes like that, it's really, it's really nice. Yeah, and it is. It's a lovely place to call in for your fish. You're always welcome. Smiling faces, lots of advice, and the main thing, wonderful, wonderful fresh fish. So remember, folks, when you call in, these boys and girls can advise you, not alone on what fish to take home with you, but how to prepare. Now, Kerwin's have it all on Lawrence Street. Happy Easter to you all, and thanks again for inviting me down. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. Ah, what a lovely morning spent in Kerwin's. Wonderful, wonderful people, I say again. And what a selection of fish. Louise, would Friday have been a traditional fish day for you? Is it a fish day? Would tomorrow be a day that you'd, you know, have fish rather than chicken or meat or whatever? Uh, growing up, always, every Friday, always fish. fish, always fish. I remember Mammy used to go up down specifically to the fishman's and get the fish and that was it. No messing and definitely nothing else on a Friday. Mm. Uh, in my house now, uh, anything that goes with beans, basically. On Friday. <laughs> on a Friday. We're just that busy of a house. Now, now tuna, could be a tuna wrap or something, yes. so that'll do. But generally speaking, if I get to the fish shop, grand, but not on a Friday. Well, I don't you, follow it like Yes, but tomorrow, do you think there are people still, you know, yeah. observe Good Friday and fish only? Absolutely. Lots of people or a diminishing number? What would you think, you know? Uh, 
I'd say it's diminishing, but I'd mm. say there are still yes. loads. Well, I'd heard, say the fish shops would be packed. Well, you in the heard morning. the boys there. Yes, the mm. biggest day of the year, a Good Friday sort of. But the, the interesting thing is, it's every day now fish. You know the way it was yeah. only a Friday thing. They're open there Tuesday to Saturday, mm. and it's every day. You know that people are now. Yeah, and it. more and more people yeah. are turning to fish. Say instead of a yes. little bit of red meat, yes. maybe one of the days or something, mm. and, and a and lot more people are eating it. We have ports, Clarehead Port, there right beside us, and we're an island nation, and we should be consuming more fish. It's been a thing for years that we didn't eat enough fish. That I love fish. Do you love fish? Mm. Love fish. What's yeah. your favourite fish? Don't say. I like shellfish. I, lo- I love. Do you prawns. like shellfish? Do you? I like yeah. prawns. Yeah, yeah, oh, prawns are good. But any fish, like I'd eat anything. Yeah, I love a lemon sole. I have to say a bit of salmon, a mackerel fresh in season, really for herring. I love fresh herring. I adore fresh herrings. Whiting, whiting fish. It's mm. fish, uh, fish of yesteryear that people always got a lovely fish too. But there's such selection now. You can get every manner of means of fish. It I really have is to beautiful. say, I love fish with. Apart from prawns, but I love just fish, as you mentioned there, taking that with YR sauce. You're a big fan of YR. I'm a big fan of any kind of yes. sauce. Well, <laughs> Normally it's to hide the burntness of my food, Don't but it's lovely. No, I love red, definitely brown yeah. sauce with fish. Mm, ah, fish is just, it's just a, a lovely, lovely feed, as they'd say. Fish and chips for John Conlon tomorrow on the pier, he says, for sure. Wouldn't be the same without it. And a couple more there saying, yes, it's fish all the way for us, Jerry, on Good Friday, for sure. There you go. Late Lunch LMFM Radio this eve of Good Friday afternoon, our final show of this week and ahead of the Easter. And I was just reading the weather forecast there and see tonight that temperatures are dropping back to potentially minus one degree with frost in places... Nikki Kyle, that sets us all on high dough, high alert. Oh my God, I'm praying for no frost. Mm. <laughs> all my damsels and pears have just come into flower today, suddenly burst into flower. Um, and there's a few pollinators around, not many because there's a pretty cold wind up here. There's a northwest wind uh, and I'm praying we won't get frost tonight. Um, because, you know, the last couple of years we've had no uh, plums at all because of the mm. frost. Mm. Well, Nikki, the 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 uh, forecast is ominous, but perhaps mm. it, it, if, if you maybe you know uh, you know the way it works. At times, there are pockets of frost in places, yeah. and I hope it it avoids you. I wanted to say to you, like, you know, in a general sense, uh, my tomatoes. I, I have had no electricity to my greenhouse this year, and I've been rooting around with windowsills and everything. And I just feel, Nikki, my tomatoes. I feel they're behind, well behind at the minute. Well, do you know what? Stuff will catch up. I mean, this is a great time of year to sow everything. Um, you know, there's still just time to catch up on the earliest stuff and still get a, a, a decent crop, crop if you get your skates on now okay. and sow in the next day or so. But there's also loads of other things, too. Um, and I won't go through them all because there's a full list of what to sow now on my website, NikkiKyleGardening.com. Um, but actually, it, it always sow tomatoes that say they're, they, they're early or, or something you know now uh, if, if you sow beefsteaks now they might be a little bit late you might not get a crop until September um, it's still worth it if they're go- a, a good beefsteak uh, but obviously mascotka and tumbler are two good bush varieties which anyone could grow anywhere in the garden even just in a cold frame uh, and they're very early uh, and very easy because you don't even have to take side shoots from them 
Can I ask you this with my, my little tomatoes? They're up all right, and as I said, they're doing okay. They would be further on if they had heat beneath their roots mm. as you and I have the mat and all that type of stuff, which I just haven't connected. But tonight, for example, if like it's lovely in the greenhouse day and it's ventilated and everything mm. and they're very happy there, I'll cover them with plenty of fleece tonight. Will that keep them? Will they be okay with the fleece cover? I would bring them into the house, Jerry. Would you? Yep, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly if uh, if you've recently watered them and they're a little bit damp at the roots, bring them into the house. Just bother. It only takes you five minutes because otherwise they get blue. Literally, tomatoes turn yeah. blue with cold. Yeah. I think that's where the expression came from. Mm. Um, and it does affect their cropping potential later on. So don't risk them. Don't think that cover them and they'll be fine because it's still going to be very cold underneath any cover you put if there is a, a frost. Just bring them into the house. It only takes two minutes. Yeah. Okay, take your advice there for sure. Now, you mentioned uh, it's a great time of the year. Uh, are we at the planting time for the likes of cucumbers, courgettes? Sowing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sowing seeds we can sow that. But remember, the thing with cucumbers, like cucumbers, gherkins, courgettes, um, melons, pumpkins, um, they will all need warmth for a few weeks yet. Mm. Uh, and they are very fast developers. So you may need to pot them on to avoid root restriction if you sow them now. If you wait another two weeks... Um, to sow them, that, that you're, they're more, you're more likely to be able to plant them straight out of the pots, you know, w- when they're ready, uh, rather than having to pot them on, um, because it does actually upset them uh, a little bit, you know, and they hate root restriction. Mm, and and they would, never do as well. Uh, you know, they need, yes. they need to be sort of at the point where the roots are really exploring for somewhere else. Put them out then. So, I mean, I would even wait until the end of April because they do okay. grow very fast. Okay, that's good advice. Yeah, that's good advice there. So hold back on what we spoke about there, uh, the uh, cucumbers and uh, courgettes, etc. And you'll you won't lose anything by hanging Not back, really, will you? No, no, because actually, you know, you'll you'll actually hold them back if you have them in the pots and they're root bound. So just keep them growing, keep them growing fast. Middle to the end of April is fine. I won't be sowing any until then. Um, actually, if, if anyone's looking for a tainer, you know, the lovely yellow courgette I like, mm. uh, it's very hard to find. Now, B&Q had sold out all theirs in their verve a few weeks ago, but Beatty's in Loch Ray, of all places, have it in the Sutton Seeds range. I ordered some online this morning. Great. <laughs> You ferret them out no matter where they are. What about uh, peas? I see, uh, I was just looking at a guy there yesterday, I don't know where, sowing the peas, and and you've done this before, in modules, in guttering. You know, sowing the peas in guttering and then sliding them out later on into their final position. Well, I prefer not... I don't use guttering. I, I yeah. actually use um, recycled milk cartons okay. because they're deeper. Yes. Um, and you can sort of space them out more. The thing is about guttering, it, you know, it, it, it can be a bit dodgy. It's a bit uh, shallow mm. Um, mm. and um, you can't keep them in there for very long. I mean, it looks wonderful, but uh, it's never worked for me. Okay. I prefer something deeper. Uh, and also, you know, the larger you plant them out... Mm. Uh, the less likely the mice are to eat them. Oh, yes, they're devils. The mice are devils for the peasies. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But in a general sense, let's talk about I mentioned the frost tonight, but Nikki, have we ever seen anything like the, the damp and wet through March and continuing into, into April? What about uh, outdoors? Should you still avoid the, the ground is very wet? Well, avoid any ground that's wet. If you've got raised beds, if you've got ground that is dry, which is highly unlikely because the last two weeks, both weeks, we've had 350% of the normal rainfall for here. Uh, and every, every year for the last, every winter for the last 35 years, I've been watching them get wetter and wetter. And sadly, it's climate change and we have to adapt. 
Um, but, you know, there's, there's ways of doing things. Raised beds are terrific. If you can even raise a bed just a couple of inches, it makes a huge difference. Carrots, we all love our carrots, and I, I particularly love my homegrown carrots. I just see my actually my bed of them in the greenhouse. They're quite slow to germinate, but I think they're just starting to appear today. And I might have put them in nearly three weeks ago, but they're I see them on the way. They're generally slow to germinate a carrot. Well, they're fairly slow, but the thing is the ground needs to be really warm. You know, mm. everything likes to be warm ground. You wouldn't germinate if you were in cold ground, would you? I mean, you know, you, you really just need to wait a little bit. Don't be impatient. Uh, and they'll, everything will spring up in the next few weeks. Um, lettuce and successional greens. You're the queen of the green salad every day. I see you posting the pictures. I envy <laughs> you at times. But, you know, successional sowings of those fast-developing lettuce. Uh, keep that going. Yeah, keep that going. And I always do it in modules now. I don't sow anything like that in the open ground anymore um, because there's so many bugs and things that want to eat it too. And, I mean, you can't blame them. They're desperate for food. Mm. Um, you know, sow them in, pot, in pots or modules uh, and you can plant them out when they're a lot bigger and they can survive the odd nibble, you know, if, if they do happen to get nibbles. Yes. And they'll come on very quickly. By the way, Louise's uh, quick salad is almost ready for harvesting up in the office. And you'd want to see her potato. Oh, my God. It's grown to the moon, but it nearly has flowers on it already. So I think she'll have she'll have lovely hen's egg spuds very shortly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But are they are they actually in in? Do they have good light, or are they in a window? Yeah, they're in a window. You know what I mean? Yeah, so well, they'll be yeah. stretched out a little yes, bit. Yes, um, that's what's know. happened there. But anyway, it's a great start. She's going yep. good guns, and we'll absolutely. be talking about it next week on the show. And um, going back to the carrots, I have a question there from a listener, Jerry. Would you ask Nikki? Can I grow carrots in a container? Yes. You can grow anything in containers. Actually, there's a, there's a, a bit on my blog this month about, you know, what, 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 what can you grow if, if you don't have a garden? Uh, and there's lots of stuff there, lots of suggestions. I mean, carrots actually grow really well in containers. And the great thing about containers is that they're up out of the way of slugs again, you know. Mm. Uh, but just make sure uh, if if they're in big containers, eight, 18 inches high or, or sort of, you know, um, a, a metre and a half high, that's grand. But lower than that, the carrot fly may get them. Right. So just cover them with a bit of feast or a bit of um, something uh, later on um, to, to avoid carrot fly. But no, they grow really well. But just remember to keep them watered well. Couple I want to uh, talk to you about. What about beetroot and the various varieties? Are you a beetroot fan? Oh, I'm a mad beetroot fan, actually. And, and um, you know, I have a very rare variety here, which I've actually just given uh, to, to um, the Garden Organic HSL Seed Library um, because it, it, it mustn't be lost. It's a variety called McGregor's Favourite. Um, and it, it's wonderful. But all beetroot is terribly good for you. I have a glass of beetroot juice every day for lunch. Uh, with my salad for lunch. It's terribly good for your heart. It's anti-cancer. It's, you know, it's brilliant. Mm, they say it is a real and good easy, one. But uh, that's slow now. And it comes in, in little um, sort of uh, clusters of seeds, if you like. Yep. A seed which is sort of like a, a little um, uh, clusters. Uh, and several will come up. But, you know, you can leave them in clusters unless there's too many. Once they're well germinated, or you can thin them to, to one or two. Um, but but it gives them plenty, you know, plant them. Again, I, I sow them in modules. I plant them about six inches to a foot apart or, you know, 30 centimetres apart. And then they'll push each other apart again, like the onions we talked about last month. Yes. And actually they'll make their own space as long as they've got enough light uh, and they're fed well. What about celeriac? Is it something you've grown? 
Yeah, but it needs to be sown really early. Um, it's a little bit late for sowing celeriac now. You might get away with it if you sow it and look after it really well. It needs the same conditions as celery. It's basically a bog plant. It needs rich, moist soil constantly and never let it go dry, never let it go short of water. Uh, and even then, you have to tend it a lot. You have to take off the lower leaves later in the year. And um, I love it, but, you know, I don't know whether it's worth the bother. I tend to grow a lot of celery mm. because I can't be without celery in the kitchen. It's a wonderful vegetable. Oh, um, yes. uh, and that actually, you can still sow celery now, but make sure you sow it on the surface so that it gets light. Don't let it dry out. You don't, it doesn't want warmth to, to germinate it. It'll germinate at quite a cool temperature. Um, but do keep it covered, and that is slow. It'll take about three weeks to come up. Like celeriac, that would take three weeks to come up. Uh, no, but the celery is really well worth it, uh, particularly if you've got a greenhouse, um, because it will come on much faster in the greenhouse later on. And if, you, if it's in a greenhouse or polytunnel, you can go on cropping that until Christmas. Fantastic. As long as you keep it really well watered, that's the key. What I do now is I plant it between my tomato plants. So I never water the tomato plants. I always water the celery. Mm. So the tomatoes want water, they can take it, but otherwise the celery doesn't go short of water. And it has shade, which it likes in the summer, even when it's hot in the polytunnel. So you say, sow that seed on the surface, don't cover yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I, I tend to scatter a tiny bit of vermiculite, because I can't resist it, on the surface, uh, or a tiny bit of compost, but literally you still want to be able to see the seed, cover it with a polythene bag or with glass, um, and keep it really moist, spray it if you must, but you probably won't need to if it's in a polythene bag. Uh, and don't have it in full sun. It doesn't want a windowsill, it doesn't want a propagator. Um, just, uh, you know, about sort of 10 degrees, um, 50 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, 10 degrees centigrade or, or, or above will be fine for it. Now I have good news I think for you. Well I'm going to touch wood so I'm touching my head Nikki here. Um, my garlic looks so well and you know it's, I, I did what you said. I put them in good big containers. Great. Free draining, new, fresh, your excellent recommended compost, nothing else, and they're flying along. Had to cover them with a bit of netting because the sparrows are devils for when it's dried the surface to uh, yeah. dust themselves. But it's looking really strong. Am I too early, you know, to celebrate? Am I over the hump yet? With you know, the well, you should be as long as the tips aren't yellowing. I mean, keep it, you know, keep it watered, but don't let it go short of water. But at the same time, you don't want to saturate it. Uh, it needs good drainage. Uh, no. It's it should be absolutely fine. Um, and, and keep it well fed too. It likes to be fed. I mean, in, in another few weeks, give it a couple of feeds and uh, you'll probably be able to pull fresh garlic in June. Oh, I can't wait for that, along mm. with the new potatoes <laughs> that are flying along as well. Now, before we finish today, oh, just on, on a word on potatoes, where, where are we with potatoes? Is there still time to plant main crop? Uh, there is still time to plant main crops. Uh, depending on the year, we may get blight any time yeah. from sort of early June onwards. You have to be aware of that um, and just if you do see any sign of blight but we'll talk about that in a couple of months yes. you just have to take the tops off and, and, and take what potatoes you've got yeah. but actually uh, rather than main, you know, main crops don't need to be sown uh, now I mean all uh, potatoes are classed as sort of early, secondary, or main crops only because of the time it takes them to mature. Mm. So if I was putting potatoes in the ground now, particularly, I would put early potatoes in. Okay. 
then you'll get a crop much faster. Yeah, and that's the thing, and you might avoid the uh, blight as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just before we finish, you want to uh, mention biodiversity in the context of sprays, slug pellets, etc. Yeah, well, do you know what? I, I've seen an awful lot of people on social media recently saying, oh, they, you know, they get rid of aphids by spraying them with soapy water. But, you know, if you were a, a, a mummy blue tick, blue tit, would you want to feed your tiny just-hatched babies on something that's been sprayed with soap? I mean, even so-called organic sprays are harmful to biodiversity. We don't need them. If you've got sort of early aphids on something like rose shoots or something in a couple of weeks, you may see a few aphids before the birds get really active feeding their their fledglings. Um, You know, just spray them off with some water. Just plain water. Okay. You know, and there'll be lots of predatory insects like hoverflies and ladybirds hatching now and in the next few weeks. And if you have some nettles, uh, leave some nettles to grow and leave some long grass somewhere in your garden. And that provides great habitat for all of them and for other biodiversity like butterflies, moths and beetles and lots of other uh, things, which are all very threatened. I mean, you know, we can all do that. We can all easily do something, however small, to make a real difference to help biodiversity. We certainly can. Allow a bit, go wild, encourage the others and then they'll feed on all the creatures that we don't want attacking our vegetables. Just on slug pellets, is there any safe slug pellet? No. None. As far as I'm Simple concerned, as there okay. is none. I mean, there is a so-called organic one, which is made from ferrous, or ferrous sulfate or something, but I don't use anything. I'm like, you know, I've been doing it for 40 years. Just be clever. Just use different methods. Methods. You know, if you let your gra- garden become a weedy mess over the winter, you will have a lot of slugs. So in that case, cover the beds with some polythene or with something and pick them off every so often. And by the way, don't uh, throw snails over into the next door garden because they have a homing instinct and they'll come back to yours. <laughs> They've proved it now. <laughs> now I know what's been happening. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I'd never do something like that. No, it's all. They're my slugs and I look after them and I'm not giving them to anybody else. Anyway, we've uh, scratched the surface with this wonderful woman again today. Get out into the garden this Easter weekend. And do your best. It. <laughs> and enjoy it. That's the thing, Nikki. NikkiKyleGardening.com. All the information is there. Happy gardening till the next time, Nikki. Happy gardening to everybody. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Ah, Louise, I'll read the card. I have to read this one to the listeners. To Jerry, I've enclosed two prints of my paintings as a gift in appreciation for you giving me the opportunity to tell my story on your show. This gave me the confidence to put myself and my art out there. The response and support I got from listeners following our conversation was unbelievable and heartwarming. And I'm going to continue this journey. I'll be at Braemore Castle, Balbriggan, on Easter Saturday. Onwards and upwards. Thanks again for supporting me on my journey. And that comes in from the lovely Neve McLaughlin. Aren't the prints oh, beautiful, Louise? Prints the, are beautiful and the oh, card is beautiful. And the, you know what? Fair play to her for coming on because that took her a lot of guts from her. And, you know, she came out of her comfort zone. And you can tell that... You know, she's come a long way even from then. She has. And it's great to hear. We love your card, Neve. It's a, a, a beautiful it's card. Thoughtful. It really is very thoughtful. And you wish us all the blessings. And we accept them and love them as well. And good luck to you. Braemore Castle. Go and see this girl's artwork in Braemore Castle, Belbriggan, on this Saturday, Easter Saturday. She's fantastic. And the prince, the birds, the flowers. She, this girl has real talent. Mm-hmm. She really has. Well done to you, Neve. Thanks for the card. It's lovely to uh, receive it today at this Easter time. Late Lunch LMFM Radio. Up next on the show, she's a first-time author from Navin, now living in New Zealand, but back in Ireland for the launch of our first ever book. And it's 
Brewing Up a Storm. The name of the book is called The Last Days of Joy. Anne Tiernan joining me next. My next guest was born in Zambia, grew up in Navin. She knows Navin well, studied English literature and psychology at Trinity College Dublin. Seven years she worked in the bank, the permanent pensionable job. And then in 2004, along with her husband, she left Ireland to travel the world. And within a year, she'd put down roots in New Zealand, where she's lived since with her three children. But she's been back home for the launch of her first book. She's a debut novelist. Yes, The Last Days of Joy by Anne Tiernan. I have it here sitting on the desk before me and she's on the line. Hello, Anne. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I am really good and delighted to welcome you to your home radio station this afternoon. It's great to have you with us. <laughs> it's great to be on. Um, it really is. It's a real treat. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Well, I have to say, since I've had the book and I've been reading about it and watching the reviews and your big lodge night in the smoke recently, I have to ask you this question. <laughs> Where have you been? Where has this been all your life? This book, and come on. Uh, well, it was, uh, as you said in, in the introduction, I kind of got a little bit waylaid um, uh, in the bank for a few years. And then I spent and that was my 20s. And then I spent my 30s having children um, and all the chaos that goes with that. And it wasn't really till I was approaching 40 and my youngest had started school and um, I my youngest child had said to me mommy why didn't you grow up to be anything that I decided it was time to it was time <laughs> to get back to work <laughs> <That cheeky bugger. laughs> uh, I know I know desperate so yeah I was around 40 before I started writing Jerry so it was um and I spent a few years just doing little articles and short stories and stuff like that. And then it was about 2017 that I started the novel, uh, which took me a couple of years to write. And um, and then a couple of years between putting it in the bottom drawer and not thinking it would go anywhere and then finding a publisher. And so now here we are in mm. 2023 and I'm uh, fast approaching 50. So <laughs> um, it's, it's taken a while. But you see... The proof is in the pudding, as they say, and the while that it's taken and the uh, attention to detail you've um, achieved with this book, may I say, it's really uh, great. For a debut novel, I I congratulate you. You've written a brilliant book. You really have. Thanks a million. That's so nice. And, you you know, you're quite honest about this. A lot in the book is based on personal experience. Well... I would say, look, it's definitely not an autobiography, yes. um, but but definitely the um, the inspiration, I suppose, mm. for it um, would have been uh, before I started. I, you know, the, well, the book is about, for first of all, you know, a, a, an Irish immigrant who's living in New Zealand. Yep. Um, so I definitely uh, <laughs> I definitely use that. Mm. Um, But also before I started, I had this image in my head of a woman in a coma surrounded by her three children. And I had no real idea of where I'd go with that. I kind of just sat on it for a while. And I thought, you know, before I I thought before you wrote a book, you'd have to have the whole the whole story plotted out and all your characters. And, you know, but I had nothing but a single image. And um so I started to write and on page one, um, Joy, uh, the main character, turns up with a bottle of vodka and a gun in front of her. Mm. 
Um, and now my own mother had taken her own life um, a few years previously. So I suppose, uh, and I, I just went with it. I went with this story and, um, you know, I think in a way it became, the book became a way for me to process my mother's death. Um, and uh, because I'd been living away from New Zealand when she died and I couldn't get home for the funeral because my um, I was heavily pregnant when she died and I gave birth to my little boy the day after. Um, so I think because of that, because of the geographical distance and also it's fair to say, I suppose, the emotional distance between myself and my mother whilst I was growing up. Um, I never really processed her death. And so, yeah, the book, the book became a way for me to do that. But I mean, I would say I've given Joy a very different narrative to my mother's. Mm. Um, uh, but for sure, there are parts, parts of my experience in my life that, that I used. Well, in, you in know, it. you know, it, 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 it exudes it from the pages, may I say, as well. And you're so honest and so forthright in, in the way you speak about it. But look, as you say, you've had to uh, create a story and weave a story, you know, based loosely on what you're talking about there. But there's so much more to this and you've pulled <laughs> so much into it. I have to ask you this because in the book you mentioned Joy is the troubled mother, Connor is the yeah. eldest child, Francis the perfect middle child and the <laughs> youngest daughter, Sinead. Where do you come in your family? I'm just curious <laughs> to know because there's yourself, Tom, Neve and Brian where are you in the pecking order there well I'm child uh, number two so I'd be the perfect middle child <laughs> obviously <laughs> I just suspected you were going to give me that answer to be, <laughs> to be honest with you but you know when you've had that experience of growing up in a family of four and there, there seems to be something about the eldest the youngest and the middle isn't there that distinguishes yeah, for sure. Like I think in, quite often in families, there's um, the eldest is the the high achieving one, and then the middle ones. Like I was, there was two of us in the middle, the two girls in the middle, and I suppose we were the oh, I don't know, the peacekeepers, and the um, you know maybe it's having two girls in the middle as well, and then mm. of course there's the youngest who's. Uh, quite often the messer and uh, the absolute, you know, the one who, uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, there is that dynamic in a lot of families, for sure. Yeah. Mm. But the, the thing you uh, come around to as well, that, you know, you talk about the complicated, troubled mother and uh, the way her life ended and that, and she's on life support and they all gather together. Funny when that happens, you know, even though you may say words like complicated, troubled, at the end of the day, she's your mother. And she sure. is the one who bore you and the other children as well. And when it comes to a time like that, it really does focus the mind. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, I found that writing this book brought me closer to my mother as well. And kind of thinking about, you know, thinking, thinking about how hard it is to be a mother. Um, and I think when I became a mother myself, I kind of appreciated mine a lot more. And I think that that happens to a lot pe a lot of people. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, writing the book forced me to think a lot about her and, you know, try and put myself in her position and, to, you know, and I, I definitely gained more empathy for her. And um, as you say, at the end of the day, she was my mother. And uh, yeah, and I think I loved her more at the end of writing this book, you know, it, it's, it, yeah, I, it just, 
I came to understand her, I think, a lot more. Um, I came to understand a lot more about suicide and I, be- I came to understand a lot more about the desperation you must feel if you're depressed. And um, so it's a very healing and cathartic um, process for me. God, you're breaking our hearts. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, in a lovely way. I mean, Anne, in a lovely way. It's so touching what you just said there. You know, and, and, and it shows you the power. You know, besides this wonderful book that people are buying by the New Time RSA as well, um, you know, it, what it means personally to you is, is, is simply yeah. amazing, so it is. And, uh, yeah. you know, um, what do you make of, you know, I mentioned there, it has been received so well. That must be fantastic, a fantastic feeling for you as a debut author. It is. Look, the whole thing has been a a real surprise. I'll be honest, I was even surprised I finished writing it. So each step along the way has been such a surprise. Um, To finish it, first of all, uh, then to find a publisher um, and now to have people reading it and people saying they like it, it's um, it's amazing. It's a dream come true. Um, I have to pinch myself that it's actually happening. Oh, do pinch yourself. But listen, don't for a minute. <laughs> and Tiernan from Navin is with me on Late Lunch. The Last Days of Joy is our debut and new book and it's selling fast, I can tell you. And, you know, when we talk about the, the mother and uh, the mother Joy in the book and her relationship with the children, Sinead, Francis and Connor, the oldest, the middle and the youngest child, isn't it true? And I think you've you've really brought this to the fore in the book that Children, different children within a family, the relationships can be totally different with the mother in this case. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think for sure. I mean, I think, um, and we all have different, I suppose we all have different memories of our childhood. Mm. We all experience even the same, the same things in a different way. Um, You know, even if I talk to my siblings about things that might have happened um, when we were kids, we all remember things differently and one person's, idea of a time that might have been a great day might have been somebody else's idea of a terrible day so yeah i think we all as children experience things very differently and and um yeah for sure have different kinds of relationships with our parents mm. um and i and i think also like having kids myself i think you also end up treating your kids slightly differently you don't yes. mean to but yes. you know quite often you're hmm. a bit harder on the first one and <laughs> maybe yeah. Maybe a little bit easier on the youngest who tends to get away with with a lot more than yes. the rest of them. So, yeah, yes. for sure. So, folks, don't feel guilty if you ever reflect on that in your life. It's a worldwide <laughs> phenomenon. That is for, is. for sure. <laughs> Look, I mentioned at the start, you know, Navin played a big part in your life and you have so many friends there still. I know there were loads of them at the book launch uh, the other evening yeah. as well. It was lovely to see. Um, New Zealand, you know, you're a long way away. You're there. I was just looking nearly 20 years at this stage. So it is home via now is it similar to ireland um yeah it is in some respects um it's you know very similar in terms of population size i mean it's a much bigger country mm. um but a similar population and auckland the the main city would be kind of a similar similar population to dublin um i think it's and it's quite a an agricultural um country in many respects and um it's uh, a very outdoorsy type lifestyle. Um, you know, people are mad into their water sports and their mountain biking and their hunting and their fishing. And, uh, you know, it's hard to get anybody 
you know, to tie anybody down at the weekend because they're always off doing some kind of adventure sport. <laughs> um, uh, what you know, they're um, it's a very it's a very secular country. You know, that's one of mm. the big things. I, I, I one of the big differences I noticed. Um, like my kids would say things to me like, "Who's Jesus?" or you know, "What's a priest?" or <laughs> they would have you know they'd have no. There's no religion in the schools or anything like like that. But I think a very uh, like warm and friendly bunch of people, uh, just like here. Um, you know, Kiwis are lovely. They're very hospitable uh, and love to have you over to their house. And yeah, so in that respect, it's 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 quite similar. Yeah, great to hear that as well. You know what I mean? And I remember that shocking uh, terrorist attack on a community over there and the revulsion that was felt, you know, across the board in New Zealand. There was just ultimate condemnation. It was totally out of character for the place as well. Anyway, uh, you can tell them when you go back, they better watch out for the boys in green in the Rugby World Cup in France coming up. (laughs) You'll be cheering. You'll have the green short on you, I take. Oh, for oh, of course, of course. I um, yeah, I'll never ever support the All Blacks <laughs> against Ireland. Don't worry. Um, what about your be, children? What about your children? Well, Are they All Blacks fans? I know. Well, it can be a bit lonely in my house uh, when there's a rugby match on. I tell you, I um, I brought them to see the um Ireland uh, All Blacks match in Eden Park, uh, back uh, last, was it June or July last year, maybe, mm. and um. Of course, that was the one that Ireland lost. Yes. They, they they won the other two. But mm. um, yeah, no, my youngest fella plays uh, rugby and he it would be all blacks first. But I think Ireland, you know, he might be almost thinking that he'd prefer to play for Ireland at this stage. So there you go. Uh, th- yeah. yeah so. the, the boots on the other foot nearly at this stage because New Zealand are such a, a wonderful rugby nation as well. But look at our hopes are up, as you know, in the, uh, this year in, the, in Ireland for the, for the world. World Cup in the autumn yeah. ahead. Is by the way, is your husband Irish or is he from New Zealand? No, he's a Kiwi. So oh, yeah, that's he why. Was wor- okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was. We were working together in um, ACC Bank there I on Charlemagne Place, and oh, that's yes. how we met. And yeah, he uh, he convinced me to go. Yeah. to go over to New Zealand for a year but there I still am 18 years later so <laughs> Well yeah. you know it's funny you say that in another life I was the account manager for ACC Bank isn't it a small world uh, when no I worked Yes I was I, and I was in that building many times I worked for a major oh telecoms God. company and I, I, they were my one of my clients so there you go it's just funny Oh very the good connections yeah, there you are yeah. um, small world. I understand now while you feel lonely in a green jersey surrounded by a husband from New Zealand and children cheering for the yeah. All Blacks but I hope you have the final cheer this year young woman I really do um, it must have been great the other evening to have friends and family and all around you at the launch Oh amazing and a big crew of girls from the Mercy Convent um, girls that I've known you know since I was um, and actually some that I went to school with in St Oliver's um, uh, so it was that was amazing to have them there and some old old work friends from ACC and old university friends and then you know all my my friend you know my family and um, second cousins and first cousins and aunties and uncles so right. it was it was amazing we had yeah. had such a fun night it was almost like a little wedding or something you know <laughs> when you get to meet so many people that you haven't yes. Um, it's a good, it's, it was a good excuse for us all to get together. Ah, so wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. So, you know, this book is a success, I say already, and will continue to be a success, uh, please God, over the coming weeks and months. 
So is this a one-off or what's the story? No, no, I've, um, I'm deep into book number two at this stage. So um, uh, that's hopefully going to be hopefully next year. <laughs> um, but no, I, this it certainly won't be a one off. I think I've um, uh, I'm under contract to do a second book. But I think uh, even if I wasn't, I'd be um, I'd be writing away because it's uh I wasn't great at banking, in fairness, Jerry. I wasn't. I don't know if I was entirely suited to it. <laughs> well, Anne, let me tell you, there's a few of the same ilk of yours here that uh, showed us they weren't up to it either. But that's a story for another day. Let's park that one for the moment. <laughs> and 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 yeah. I have to say to listeners, I haven't mentioned it so far. You are Tiernan and you have a brother called Tom. And he's, yeah. he's sort of well known, isn't he? He is a little bit well known, isn't he? He's slightly well known. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. I've, I've got I've had um, a chance to hang out with them for the last couple Good. of days um, and it's been absolutely lovely. And yes. um, I I miss him terribly when I'm when I'm away. But he's um, the best big brother in the world. Ah. He really is. He's a very generous and kind and uh, intelligent and funny, yeah. funny person to oh, be around. So, unbelievable. Yeah. Tommy Tiernan is a, a jewel, I have to say, in the crown of Ireland. There's no doubt about that. He's brilliant and he's doing yeah. so well uh, for yeah. himself. It's great, great to see. But you see, it's something in that water in Navin. I don't know what you have, but <laughs> when it comes to creativity, arts, comedy, writing, you have something special, it has to be said. That is for sure. I'm delighted yeah. for you, I have to say. And I say again, I recommend this book highly. It's brilliant first. Uh, a debut novel The Last Days of Joy uh, by the lady I've been talking to for the last while Anne Tiernan it's great to chat to you it's been my pleasure today bon voyage safe journey home and come on the boys in green <laughs> thanks Jerry. lovely to talk to you you too take care of yourself Anne bye bye that's Anne Tiernan there now let's do this on this holy Thursday on late lunch five four three two one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number one from this week in the year of a Lord 2007. And it is a biggie. It was re-released in 2007 because when I tell you it came out first in 1988 and made it to number 11 on the UK charts. But when re-released on this week, around this time in 2007, it went to number one on this week because you see... Joining in the fun of the song were Peter Kay from Phoenix Nights. Matt Lucas was uh, involved in this one as well. And the record was re-released again for comic relief. Of course, it's a famous one. It is indeed written by two Hibernian supporters as they waited to travel to a match in the Scottish Premier League against Aberdeen. And boy, did they come up with a good one. Yes, Peter Kay, Matt Lucas... And the proclaimers all heading on a journey 500 miles. But I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more to be the man who walked a thousand miles to fall down at your The proclaimers, and I'm gonna be. The song they say that made them and uh, continues to yield for them even still is their pension. It is indeed number one this week in 2007, re-released for comic relief and it featured Peter Kay. 
and uh, also Matt Lucas for that wonderful, wonderful cause. That song, Louise, The Proclaimers, it's a real... Uh, Book lapping song. Well <laughs> done. Well done. Jump That's around. the best description I've ever heard of it. A book-lepping song. Yes, at a wedding or something like that. You'd be out on the floor and you kicking off with things there. Dermot Kennedy and Kiss Me on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Big thank you to all our guests who joined us during the week. To you, our listeners, we love your company every single afternoon. And to my producer, Louise Walsh. Thanks a million, Louise. Couldn't do this without a... The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.